just want to say hi to any listeners out there. If anybody's listened to my new podcast, this is Insignificant Man. Just put together some recordings, uh, my thoughts, and wanted to share them with people. I also have a channel on YouTube under the same name, Insignificant Man. I put together videos and any other visual aids that I can add to the talks. But if you are not able to access YouTube, my podcasts are available on a lot of different platforms through anchor.fm. So I hope you enjoy and I hope you listen and I'll get started. Today I wanted to talk about a topic that I've touched on a little bit before, one, two, maybe three of the uh, previous episodes or recordings, but I wanted to kind of give it its own recording and focus on it because it it really is kind of a, a bigger topic and I'm also going to include a little bit of something else as well, but it's on the topic of sin. So sin, what is it? Where did it come from? And what else do we need to learn and understand and know about sin? As well as sin, you know, which is closely connected to it, is hell and then also salvation. So they're all pretty pretty well linked together. And you can't really talk about sin <laughs> without talking about going to hell. And then you can't really talk about sin without talking about salvation and what the the world this planet has become to know as salvation through what they call Jesus Christ which means anointed one and that was given awarded to Jesus or is awarded to Emmanuel after his death and in Rome with Paul I believe it was when he went before Rome and was talking to him I believe it was his prisoner. I think he was there for two years. The book of Romans and Acts, I think, um, has to do with his time in captivity in Rome. And then we all know about the Roman Catholic Church that grew from there, from the apostles spreading the word and so on and so forth. But Emmanuel was his name that was given to him at birth. Uh, there's also another name people have called him by, is Yeshua. Yeshua. It kind of looks like Joshua, um, but pronounced you know, in Hebrew, uh, Yeshua, and that's another name as well. But the name that is in the Bible, that is in the prophecy in Isaiah, that first mentions the Messiah, and there's actually no place in the Bible that actually says Messiah. It's just referenced in the prophecies. There will be someone that comes to save the Hebrew nation and the Israelites, and they call him a Messiah because of what he's supposed to accomplish. And in the prophecy that Isaiah gives, he actually says Emmanuel. So uh, when the time comes for the Savior, they will call him Emmanuel. He will be born of a virgin or have a virgin birth. So you will know the sign that he is who he is. And his name is Emmanuel. Majority of topic of sin, hell, salvation really does circulate around central points as, as such as Emmanuel. Like I said before, you can't talk about one without really talking about the other because they're so connected and intertwined. But the whole point of Emmanuel coming for the Messiah is to come and save them. And the perspective of the of Israel at the time was that he was going to come in as a conquering hero and he is going to overpower all their enemies, give them back their rightful place on this planet as um, God's chosen people and kind of an elitist type mindset, and then he will physically dominate everybody else, and they will rule once more, and he will save them from all the torment that they've been going through. And this 
is huge for a nation that used to be so powerful and was struck down by the Babylonians, King Nebuchadnezzar, and then you have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and then Daniel as well. So there were some of the Israelites that, that the Babylonians kept alive, and they trained them as priests. Everyone knows the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They get thrown into a fire. I think a couple people even died. The ones that made the fire, the guards, <laughs> even died um, throwing them into the fire because it was so hot. So that was King Nebuchadnezzar. And when they threw the three Israelites into the fire, the king saw they were still standing and they are moving around inside the fire, but there was four of them standing in there. So there's obviously a benevolent being <laughs> in there with them, protecting them, and which it's a great story. It's awesome. And that really kind of shook King Nebuchadnezzar. And then Daniel came into his favor because Nebuchadnezzar was having all the kinds of dreams. And then Daniel was able to interpret the dreams for him. So he kept Daniel alive and, and gave him good standing. And then, you know, Daniel gets thrown into the pit of lions because some people are instigating. They are conspiring against him because, yes, conspiracies are real. <laughs> and they conspired against him and forced the king's hand to throw him into into the lion's pit. And the next day he came out and he was fine. So, you know, pretty famous story. I'm sure a lot of people have heard about it. But that, I mean, even that was based off of sin. So those priests that were instigating and conspiring against Daniel, they were accusing him of breaking the law. And they made, they got the king to make up these fake laws to prevent sin. Sin is just crazy. It's just something that has become so natural that people say that is automatically negative, and what goes along with it is condemnation. The crazy part about it is <laughs> our societies have grown up this way for so long that no one has ever stopped to ask the question, what is sin is, and is it even real? You'll get the theologian answer, you know, you even look it up online, and it'll say one that is being disobedient towards God, that is not following God's commands, that he is committing a sin. And you can also sin against your brother and against people. That even kind of should make people raise an eyebrow and go, well, wait, I can sin against God and I'm condemned, but I can also sin against my neighbor. Well, I mean, there's a lot of condemnation that comes with sin, but I mean, there's a lot of rules. I mean, you don't know sin even exists unless there's rules. But there's also like man-made rules, the laws. There's also laws of nature, which, you know, one basic one that comes to mind is being cruel to somebody, like being a bully or cheating them out of something. So you got the Ten Commandments, you know, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not covet a neighbor's wife and all that kind of stuff. You see pretty quickly that sin is connected directly to rules or laws. And that should stop and make you think, you know, so what is sin? And what if there were no laws? Would there be no sin? From previous recordings and episodes, we've covered a lot about one infinite creator and that there is a difference between the one infinite creator and God. It's interesting that this new text has come out in the last 30, 40 years that was found called the uh, Talmud of Emmanuel that, you, that I've mentioned quite a few times. And it's actually been studied for the last 20 years by a professor in Oregon. No one actually even knew who wrote the book of Matthew and Mark, and they don't know which one was written first, and maybe one copied the other and just kind of changed some details. Well, when they started comparing this Talmud of Emmanuel to Matthew, Matthew was actually seen to be written from this text, the Talmud of Emmanuel, which this is the Gospel of Judas. 
which is supposedly the disciple that betrayed Jesus and went and hung himself. And when you read through the Talmud, that's not the case at all. They conspired to frame it on him to discredit Jesus even more, to show that even one of his own disciples was turning against him, to help let the people see this, and so more people would turn away from Jesus, from Emmanuel as well. But that's not the case, according to the Talmud of Emmanuel, the Gospel by Judas. And Judas was the only one that was literate in the group besides Jesus. So he was the only one that was actually writing anything down as it was happening. All the other Gospels in the Bible were written way after the events and from memory. And then you don't know who was the scribe, who was writing these books. You know, I have no doubt they were trying to remember the best they could. Could they remember years and years later every single detail correctly? I mean, that's a huge task to remember in such detail. Could the apostles have misspoken in their memory, trying to remember what Emmanuel had taught them and told them? Absolutely. Uh, was it intentional? I don't think it was totally intentional. I think it was a bit, a bit of both. And so between them getting the details wrong, which <laughs> were pretty important details, like Emmanuel was not the son of God. He was the son of Gabriel, and he told the disciples multiple times, but they just, for some reason, couldn't grasp it and couldn't understand it. And you mix that with the common misconception, even today, but back then it was huge, is the concept that God, the one they refer to as God, their God, is the creator. And Emmanuel told them multiple times that that is not the case, and that you are ignorant and childish and immature in your thinking, that you think God and the creator are the same thing. And he tells them flat out, that they are not. God is the highest of consciousness that we, can, we can't even comprehend. That he started out as a man as well, and he is human, just like we are, and that's why we were made in his image. But he is not the creator. He was even created by creation. And so there has been this distortion that has grown through the years, through the millennium, that the Jews believe that God is the creator. Manuel is very specific and explicit, stating that he is not. And this is huge. I mean, we have to know this, but God is real. He, he, he verifies that God is very real, and he is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords, because he is, from what I can understand, he is one of the most powerful beings in creation but was still created by creation itself. Creation has no form. And you know a better term for it is the one infinite creator. Because in the beginning there was infinity. Infinity became aware. So the focus on infinity, that action is called logos, or we call it love. And from love came intelligent energy. And that's what we have come to know as the Holy Spirit. And it's infinite because it's come from the infinite source. And from that intelligent energy came all light. And from all light came all matter. Everything around us is vibration because we're all made from light. It's an infinite and most powerful energy source providing light as its building block. And that's the photon. Everything starts to separate, you know, according to its kind, according to the flow of intelligent energy, and it starts to create matter. And then eventually form stars, and the stars form planets, and everything we see, all the dust out in space, I mean, everything is a product of light. And so God is a product of this as well. But it's important to understand that he is not creation, and creation is the, creation is infinity, and there's, everything is inside infinity, because everything 
is one with creation because there can be nothing outside of creation. Now, the structure of creation is pretty important as well when you start getting into theological areas and philosophical areas as well. But Jesus explains that God and creation are not the same thing, that even his angels serve him as king, and they give him that title, they give him that respect, they give him that glory. He's king of kings, lord of lords. But even in the book of Enoch, which was removed from the majority of the Bible canons, except for the Ethiopian Orthodox Bible, you will find that they kept that in. And even in the book of Enoch, they say as one of the titles of the chapter headings is the most high of the watchers speaks out. That's, I think, like chapter four or something like that. But the most high of the watchers, which they're not calling him creation. They're calling him their king. So... God is the king of the watchers, or what we know as the guardian angels. Michael, Gabriel, Raphael, <clears throat> Suriel, Uriel, um, you know, the house of El. So how does this incorporate sin? First of all, you have to understand that there is a difference between God and creation. And once you understand this, then you can learn more about creation. And what we've talked about in my past recordings about creation is there is no wrong or right. There is only learning. There is only choice. There is only an environment created to make catalysts to force work to be done. And the work is done by catalysts that brings about choices. And you have to make choices. And those choices carry power and energy behind every single choice. You know, some choices are very low in energy. And some choices are very high in energy. For example, giving your life up to save someone else's life, the power and energy behind that choice is astronomical. And there is no power that's higher, um, according to Emmanuel. There is no greater love than when a man lays his life down for another. That is the greatest form of love. So as far as love is concerned, and what we just covered previously, creation is love. The one infinite creator is love. That focus on infinity is love. And that focus came into being because once creation became self-aware, it wanted to know itself. And that's why they call it the first distortion is free will. So because creation, the one infinite creator, had the free will to know itself, it had the freedom and the free will to create anything and everything that it saw fit. And it was infinite. And his first concept was finity. So you have infinity, you have finity, which is there is an ending and there is a beginning. So creation had this concept to create a world where things were finite. And that's why it's talked about, you know, this reality that we live in is an illusion. First of all, because everything is made from light. And what we know about holographic images, that's made from light as well. But you need a lot of power to create these holographic images. That is what infinite energy is. It is the power behind the light that helps create this illusion. And just because you say we live in an illusion doesn't make it not real. It is very real. So that's what the creator, one of the first concepts was the idea of, of finity. And he created a world where things were finite. And there was a beginning and there was an end. And this created an environment for learning. Within this illusion of finity, then the power comes behind the choices and the environment created to create catalyst. Free will is given to every single one of his creations as well. So he is given the freedom for anything he creates to create as well and calls them co-creators. So these are 
the stars, the first stars that were born. He gave them the free will, so he delegated to them his infinite energy and his free the free will. And coming from the pure original source of the one infinite creator is love, because that focus on infinity is called love or logos. And that's a Greek word, logos, which was, I believe, was misinterpreted in John chapter one, verse one, when it says in the beginning, there was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. Well, when you look at the Greek for the word logos, it comes out as word. But what they don't discuss is the other meaning for the word logos. And that is the concept of something or concept of a thought. And so what more accurately describes that translation of logos from the Greek, when it was originally written in Greek by John, that more accurate description of the word logos is love because love is the original first a focus of that first concept. So because the creator had free will, he wanted to know itself, he wanted to learn. So that focus on infinity was love. And from that love came intelligent energy. And the first distortion, the first concept of infinity and free will was present to let, to allow all this to happen. And creation was born, light was born from this infinite energy. And those are the building blocks. And so when you look at the guardian angels, well, what are they guardians of? Well, they're guardians of the light and they're guardians of the one infinite creator. What makes God king of kings and Lord of lords is that he is not creation. He is a king. He is the king guardian or the king watcher of the light of the one infinite creator. That is, that is their duty. That is their honor. That is their task that they volunteered for uh, to serve the one infinite creator because it has to be service if it's free will. If they're being forced to do something, then free will is not being adhered to. And the one infant creator created free will for that purpose of learning and for the freedom to choose. If you preserve free will, then you preserve the purity of choice. And it's not degraded in any way by influence or being forced to do something. It's amazing. It's an amazing concept. It's an amazing structure that was designed and thought up of. And the point of the guardians is to preserve that, to ensure that whatever part of creation they serve, like whatever district or section of the universe, I don't know. I don't know how it all works. I don't know <laughs> if they have a specific part of creation and other guardians, you know, look over other parts of creation. I don't know. We've talked about this octave that we live in. In the raw material, Ra says that they are in the octave above us. And in the Talmud of Emmanuel, Emmanuel actually gives this place a name where Ra says it's from the next octave above. Emmanuel gives us a name called Patel, P-E-T-A-L-E. Emmanuel describes this place as the mental plane close to creation. When you go up an octave, you're going closer to the creation. You're going towards the light, and the intensity of the light is getting brighter. The vibrations are raising the higher and higher. So just like in the music world, you go up to the next octave. They're from the next octave, and they serve the creator as guardians of the light. Also, they are guardians of the natural laws of creation. Your initial distortion or your initial law of creation is free will. And then Ra describes it as well as the law of confusion. So they don't want to break the law of confusion or they don't want to break the law of free will. Some information that they would not give the guy that was asking the questions because they said it would be breaking the law of confusion 
slash the law of free will if we gave you this information because it would taint your choice. And if it's tainting your choices, then it's removing the power and energy behind every single one of your choices. So creation is very real. It stands alone because it has no form. It is not polarized positively or negative. It is whole. It is not half of anything. Creation is one. Creation is whole. It isn't until you get to the co-creators where things are starting to split and divide. So like male and female. That mainly is in regard to energetic polarity, where man and woman come together to be one. It's not just flesh, how we understand it as sex, but it also has to do with energetically and how the different energies, male being positive, female being negative, how they work and they have different jobs, different purposes that they serve for that different type of energy. And that is why the family structure, heterosexual family structure, will always be the most beneficial structure of the family unit. And there's no condemnation intended behind that because if you look at the benefit of how the energy is used and uh, utilized and that this magnification of energy even exists solely with heterosexual relationships, that shows efficiency right there. When you understand the creator and everything is one inside the creator, that means everything serves the creator. So everybody is serving the creator, whether they know it or not, or whether they want to believe it or not. The way you become a more effective servant of the creator, presuming that you want to be, could be consciously or could even be subconsciously, but you're wanting to be a better person, you're wanting to be kinder to the people around you, you wanted to be wiser, you wanted to be more righteous, you want to be good at your job, you want to be looked at as someone who's figured out life and is confident and knows their place in this world. That's what everybody's looking for. But there's energy behind this as well. And that's why the family structure is so amazing is because the husband and wife empower each other and they empower each other differently. And I think I've talked about it before in other talks, but you know, that's with the homosexual relationships. There is a potential for them to love each other, but it will never be in a sexual way as far as energy goes, because there is no energy transfer. Only a male and a female can be joined together to create a larger form of energy, so like the light bulb. So when you put the batteries in the wrong way in a flashlight, the flashlight won't work. And that's the exact same principle, because it has to do with energetic polarity. Well, now you know the that there's a plan behind creation and a blueprint and it has to do with energy, has to do with choice. The energy is created by every choice that we make. And the environment is created by free will of everything that the creator creates. So free will has to be preserved. So these beings, not just the guardians, but positive beings all over are helping to preserve free will. Now you have people that can polarize negatively, and those are the negative beings. And we've talked about this before, but to us it's known as the Orion group. And that's what we've understood to be Satan, the devil, or his demons, or his minions, that is the Orion group. And on the positive side, that is God and his guardian angels, also been referred to as celestial sons, and also the confederation. The confederation is made up of huge amounts of groups, and they call themselves social memory complexes. But they understand, and they are trying to teach and get the message through that there is no right and wrong in life. In other words, sin isn't real. It is in a way, but not like we think, not like society thinks it is and how it's been pushed on to everybody in our society going back to the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. 
But the crazy part about it is when you look, I think the sin in the Bible is mentioned like 900 sometimes, 930 times, somewhere around there. There's only eight mentions of sin, the word sin, before the Ten Commandments. Actually, the book of Genesis only says the word sin eight times. When you uh, get out of Genesis, you go to Exodus, and that's where the Ten Commandments come into play with Moses. It is used one other time as Moses is being given the Ten Commandments. And so you're probably thinking to yourself, like, what is this guy talking about? How can sin not be real? If the Creator, the one infinite Creator, has blessed everybody, has given by birthright free will to choose however they want, to do whatever they want, then there can be no condemnation. There is no condemnation from the one infinite creator because he is allowed, he has given free will to everything within his creation. Sin is a product that carries the weight of condemnation. And there is there is intention behind this and because of this. When you understand creation, creator, free will, it kind of makes you mad when you think about it. Well, how have we been forced to believe in sin this whole time. I mean, it really does kind of make you mad. And so there's a lot of understanding that needs to happen. And once you understand it from both a positive perspective and a negative perspective, I think, and the intentions of like the guardians, angels, and the confederation, these higher density beings that are overlooking us in our growth in consciousness and our growth in humanity and our growth evolution, our place in evolution is it was used as a form of control. And what we know from the raw group, it was not given to us by who we know as God. It was not creation, but he is the king of kings, lord of lords. That is God. He is the king of the watchers. He's the king of the guardians. And even in, I believe it's uh, the book of Enoch, it even says you know, the king of the watchers who allows himself to be called God. And that's huge because that shows humility, like an, an amazing amount of humility that he allows himself to be called God, that he didn't give him this name, that the name was given to him. And the word, the name God, I mean, it it is a name, and it has a meaning, and it means kingly wisdom. And so you're talking about these beings we call the guardian angels. They give all their praise to a king who has allowed himself to be called God by others. And the name means kingly wisdom. And I don't presume to know the whole structure and how the structure came to be, but there's definitely a hierarchical structure to it. But they give him praise because of how high his consciousness is and his power and his love and his wisdom. So, I mean, it's got to be pretty impressive, especially how powerful we know just the guardian angels themselves are. The first mention of sin is in the Garden of Eden. And everybody probably would just guess right off the bat that it was the sin, the first mention of sin, was God telling Cain that he sinned when he killed Abel. And that's not the case. I mean, and it's crazy. So what is sin? How How is sin mentioned, but it's not mentioned when Cain kills Abel? Isn't that like the original, the, the first murder? It's not the original sin. The, the next sin you might think of is, you know, Adam and Eve eating from the tree of knowledge. So, you know, in my mind, I think of the murder <laughs> as being the original sin, just because the gruesomeness and the severity, I think, behind it. Eating the apple from the tree or eating the forbidden fruit from the forbidden tree of knowledge is probably more notoriously known as the original sin. But there was no there was no mention of it. It was just looked as disobedience, what they did, and their punishment was being removed from the garden. And then the serpent would be cursed 
by man from that point on, and so on and so forth. But the first time the word sin is ever mentioned is when God is talking to Cain, and Cain is scared because he did kill his brother, and God is saying to him, you know, all you had to do was do what I asked. So because of what you did, you and your bride, whoever whoever Cain was with, his family, were being banished from that area, and they sent him out to wander. And before he sends him out, he says, be careful, Cain, what you do, because sin could be knocking, could be crouching at your door. And this is after he killed Abel, his brother. And he's telling him to be careful because sin could be crouching at his door. Like, Wouldn't you say sin is not only knocking his door, it's beating his door down and and has totally corrupted Cain because he murders his brother <laughs> over sacraments on an altar. <laughs> but he, but that's not the case. So then it's mentioned a few other times, and it's you know it's mentioned in its normal context as far as disobeying God and being disobedient to God. But how can there be disobedience if the one infinite Creator has given free will to everybody to pick and choose how they want? So that means there is no right or wrong. There's only choice. And from those choices, there's energy, there's polarity, positive or negative. And so then you understand that, well, sin is a creation. Why was it created? It is created by God or somebody else that is pretending to be God to us as third density beings. Any higher density being could come to us and show us some pretty cool powers and be like, I am God. I'm a God. And so you think back in those days, starting out just fresh, pretty ignorant as the human race, and they don't know any better. Why would they know any better, and how would they know any better? Why should they? So there's ignorance going on, so you can't really blame them for ignorance. But once we know more, now we know a lot more from the Talmud of Emmanuel. We know from the book of Enoch that was thrown out of the canon Bible. And we know from the raw material, the channelings, with the three individuals for three years and the information that came out of that. I mean, and it paints a whole different picture and it opens your eyes to what the angels have been seeing all along and what they've been dealing with all along in helping and providing us in our evolution of humanity and everything that goes along with it. Sin was a creation. Well, who created? Well, everyone says God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, right? Well, first of all, you have to understand polarity. And in third density, which is our existence right now, it is... A fork in the road. So anything past third density is split, either positive or negative. Once you've been harvested and you've shown that you, your understanding, you, your body, your mind, your spirit can communicate with the one infinite creator with intelligent energy with enough efficiency that you can evolve to the next step of evolution. And that's fourth density. And that's the density of love. But you can polarize two different ways. You can polarize positively in love and that is the selfless form of love. That is the selfless service to love, to the Creator. Or you can polarize negatively, and that's the selfish form of love. You love yourself first. And the selfless, you see everyone else's Creator, and you want to serve the Creator, so you serve everyone else. And by serving everyone else first, you eventually serve yourself last. And so it is self-serving, but it's putting yourself last in that service. Now, negative polarity... You serve yourself first, thinking out of love by serving yourself first. You're forcing everybody else to understand what you think you understand. And you go about forcing love on others and wisdom in a negative way. And that's where there, it splits. And it splits through fourth, fifth, and sixth density. And if you want to leave and graduate 
sixth density moved to seventh density, there has to be synthesizing of love and wisdom. And if you want to move on, you have to understand that there is no benefit to the negative route after a certain point. There is definitely learning that can be done along that route, and you can communicate with the one infinite creator very efficiently, but you're never going to advance past a certain point of efficiency of service if you remain on the negative self-service route. And so at six, end of sixth density, seventh density, they have to understand, they have to make the choice to switch polarities. And that's where I think true forgiveness is really shows or really shines is there when these negative beings understand and they switch polarities. And that is the only way for them to go on. Once you split in these polarities, you cannot stand the other polarity. You can it's this repulsiveness. And even in fourth density, there's parts of our universe where only positive beings can live because the vibration is just. Uh, only set for them and there's parts of the universe where negative polarity lives and exists and only they can survive there because of the type of vibrations that are there so positive people can survive where negative people can survive and vice versa and it's unbreakable this you can't just float back and forth in in our density in our world where the choice has not been made which direction you're going to polarize so we we understand going back and forth all the time, being showing kindness, showing selfishness, being evil, and in, you know, asking for forgiveness, and and seeing the errors in your ways, and you want to go positive. A positive being starts to lose hope, and then backslides, and then becomes selfish, and then go back and forth and back and forth. But that's not the case. So these higher beings are set in their positive evolution or their negative evolution. Well, God is past that and has merged paths back to just the positive. Because after seventh density, there is only positive and there is only love and the knowledge, collective knowledge and wisdom of the one infinite creator. What we know creation or the one infinite creator is love. It is selfless form of love because he is given free will for everyone to choose. Then why would a positive being as God create sin? <laughs> That's a great question. That should be the first question on everybody's mind. And the awesome answer is, he didn't. <laughs> they didn't create the Ten Commandments. They didn't create sin. They didn't make up sin to control us. And the whole reason that people have had conflict with the God of the New Testament, the God of the Old Testament, and it's almost like, you know, they, they'll actually say, it don't, it's almost like they're two different gods. <laughs> you know what? Look at that. You know, your instincts are right. Because they were two different gods. The God that led Moses and the Israelites out of Egypt was not the one we know as God. King of the Watchers and the King of the Guardian Angels. That was not him. That was the Orion group. The fourth, fifth, sixth density beings that are on the negative path. Because they also want a negative harvest as well to feed their numbers. And everything that goes along with it. That's what's so amazing about this is, first of all, sin isn't real because free will prevails. And there's no condemnation from the one infinite creator. There is only learning for him. Sin was not given. The law was not given to us by God. It was given to us by the Orion group. And there was an intense war going on at the time. And we know this just by what we read and what was going on with the Israelites and everything around them. You know, the strict rules, that was all given to them by the Orion group. You know, fortunately, though, 
there were positive beings in the Confederation. One of the positive groups called themselves the Yahweh group. They're a social memory complex. I think they're seventh or they were sixth density group and they had come earlier and from what I understand they're the ones that created Adam and Eve. You know, you have to look at their intention as far as what they're trying to accomplish with us, and that is they're trying to accomplish a seeking of the creator in us and they're positive beings and they know the benefit of the positive route. And the positive choosing. So everything they do, their perception comes from wanting to encourage human beings on this planet to seek the creator, but to seek him and follow the positive selfless path. Now, the other group, the Orion group, they want the exact opposite. They want power and control. The best way to control people is laws and rules. And we know that even today with the stupid little rules about wearing masks. And that's how they get people down is you create rules and then you tell them you're, they're breaking the rules and that they need to pay a fine and they need to suffer. They need to do whatever because they broke the rules and they're just being selfish and they're not contributing to society, blah, blah, blah. Well, there's a lot of rules in our society. A lot of them, I think, are good, and especially the ones that preserve free will. And that has to do with murder or wronging somebody, you know, taking them for granted, um, stealing from them. You're hurting them. You're not being kind. You're not being nice. And, you know, even killing somebody, you're you're violating you know, murder, not just killing. Murder, especially, you're violating someone's free will, their free will to live. And that's why the guardian's protect the light because the creator learns through us being alive. He doesn't learn anything by everybody dying. He has created a finite world illusion for us to exist in where the catalyst and the environment of choice are are predominant. And that's where we learn. And when we learn, he learns. And there's learning going on because we have a subconscious mind that we don't remember anything. We start from a fresh slate every time we're born, and we have to learn things guided by our subconscious, possibly you know, guilt behind choices. But there's also learning, and that guilt serves us as far as learning as well and synthesizing what scenario caused us to do what, make what choice, for what reason, and would we repeat that because what are the benefits of that choice? When you're on the positive path, the more times you choose a selfless decision, the loving decision that in any moment in our life, that moment contains love somewhere. Selfless love. It's our job to find it. So that's how we polarize. And that's what gives the energy behind this choice that we make. And even in the book of Revelation, it says in the end, your deeds will be remembered. And because those deeds are the choices, those are the results of the choices that we make. And that's what polarizes. So sin is a form of control. And sin was created by a negative group in the skies, hidden by clouds, at the time when Moses and the Israelites were wanting to escape. For whatever reason, this was allowed to happen, and, I, and it has to do with free will as well. So where there is a calling for positive, there's also a calling for negative. So they have a right to, even though this planet is quarantined by the light, by the Confederation, where the Council rules on Saturn, and multiple beings across the universe are part of the confederation that come to serve and try to do the best they can to help us out and help us choosing the positive path. So the negative beings had the right to do the same thing as well. So they were, for whatever reason, maybe they were the strongest at the time, they were able to come here and make some gains negatively with the human races. And the Yahweh group is also doing other things at the same time as well with other groups of people. And Ra talks about this and explains it very clearly what is going on. It says, at that time, it was a very intensive war. And then also you get with King David 
and King Saul when Saul wanted to kill King David. And God tells you know the Israelites at the time, like, do not go to channelers, do not go to seers, do not go to these people that claim to be able to see and tell the future. Well, Saul disobeys and he goes and sees a seer. Because he does that, God says he removes his spirit from Saul and he is no longer blessed with God's spirit. Well, everybody from that moment has, first of all, not understood what's going on behind the scenes. And then they apply that to be in the exact same scenario that the whole rest of the human race has been living with up till now. And that's not the case. Back then, it was a very intense war going on between positive beings and negative beings, the Orion group and the Confederation, the Yahweh group to be more specific. So the Yahweh group was very upset because that is, a per, that is the first way that the Orion group, the negative beings, were able to make some ground because Moses was a channel. And he was used as a channel all the time. But Moses didn't always know who he was talking to. He just assumed because the negative groups, they know exactly how to play like they're good people. They know exactly how to make things look good, but they're really bad, like the law. So the Ten Commandments were made, and then sin, the word sin and condemnation, just starts to flourish. And from then on, everything is about sin. The whole book of Leviticus and Deuteronomy is about don't do this, don't do that, don't eat this, don't break the Ten Commandments. If you do, you have to do this to make up for it. You have to have an animal sacrifice, a sin sacrifice, this sacrifice for this, this sacrifice for that. And it goes into all kinds of detail on how to make up for this. Well, it's just more rules and rules upon rules upon rules. That's not freedom. That's not free will. So how would a God of love force his own people to live like that? <laughs> he didn't. He absolutely didn't. So the Yahweh group was doing what they could at the time to combat this. But the Orion group had such a dominant presence, almost like they beat him to the punch, because they actually had a ship in the sky. And that's what Moses even describes in the Bible, that a fiery, a pillar of fire was coming out of the sky. Well, that's like, as far as I know, that's probably the engine of the ship. And they used the clouds to mask it. And Ra verifies this as well. He says they kept a ship in the sky. I think it was even for like 300 years. But then you read the book of Revelation, and it talks about Michael going to battle with the dragon, or Satan. And there was a great battle, and Satan was removed. And it also talks about Satan lost his place in the heavens. And then once Satan realized that he was on earth, he went to make war against you know, the other people that loved the women, which symbolize Israelites or the people of the positive path. So... <laughs> it describes in the book of Revelation that eventually the Orion group was forced to leave. And I have no doubt the Yahweh group was part of this, and then all as well as other members of the Confederation. But they have to do it at the same time preserving free will. So they, main, they adhere to the law of confusion, so they don't want to create any confusion, even though creation, <laughs> confusion was created by Moses not knowing who he was talking to. But the one infant creator has always given people, given its creations, its creatures, its beings, its created, the freedom to choose. And there's no condemnation. So the amazing thing is, the sin that we know it as isn't real. It doesn't exist. The condemnation is a creation of the Orion group and a creation of man. And that's what, we'll say, the Orion group created the law, and the law created sin. The law created condemnation, or human race or human thinking, ignorance mixed with the law, 
created condemnation. Paul even goes into this in great detail in the book of Romans. And he even says uh, the blood of Christ, Jesus, but what we know now is Emmanuel dying on the cross, becoming the perfect example of love, became the cornerstone decision. So you believe in Emmanuel, you believe in love. That is what they're trying to get us to do because then you believe in creation. And you believe in the positive side and the more you choose the positive choices in every situation that every moment contains love. You find that choice. You polarize. You get more powerful and powerful and you build and you build in your body, mind and spirit strengthen as well. And that is the goal of these positive beings. They're trying to get us on that path. What prevents us from going on that route is sin. And that's condemnation associated with sin. Because remember, we're trying to build up these energy centers. We're trying to strengthen them. We need to remove blockages and distorted points of view. Distortions induce blockages. And we want to maintain balance and maintain balance and remove those blockages. The last step to becoming one with the Creator, or I don't know if it's the last step. But it really is the last step as far as understanding your body and its energy centers. It's the last energy center. But that's the great gateway to the creator, its intelligent, infinite energy. That's how it flows and comes into our body, into our, I guess you'd say our aura, our presence, or everything that is our body, mind, and spirit. That how That's how it enters our body. It enters through that pineal gland, that indigo ray center. And that is the ultimate goal, is to get us, first of all, to make the decision to love, that cornerstone decision that puts us past the red, orange, and yellow and that, that ignites and activates your green energy center. And then when you start serving and making decisions that are truly selfless, that you don't require anything in return by the choices you make and the kindness that you're showing people, that's Blu-ray love. The next step past that is the last energy center in our body, and that's the indigo ray. And that's the great gateway to intelligent energy. And that's where what we know is the Holy Spirit enters our body. That's what Emmanuel understood and that's what he figured out at a young age, and that's what he developed through the years. That's why he was able to perform miracles. And he knew that the Spirit, everybody is born with the Spirit, and the Spirit is what connects that communication between our mind, body, and the Creator. And that allows us to form, control, and use intelligent energy and intelligent infinity in a way to more effectively serve the Creator. So it's the Creator serving itself, serving the rest of its creation around us, which is also the creator. We are the creator. Anything around us is the creator because we are all creation. We are all part of creation. For us to be able to help others, to heal others, to do what we can by being more effective in service, that is accomplished by allowing the Holy Spirit or this intelligent energy to flow through us efficiently and without any distortions, the only distortions you want are the same distortions as the one infinite creator, and that is free will and choice and preserving free will, not wanting to break the law of confusion, and then preserving the light, and then standing up for life itself. And the best way to prevent that, because that's what the Orion group doesn't want. They doesn't they don't want us to evolve with activating our green energy centers. They don't want us to evolve in activating our blue energy centers. They don't, and they especially don't want us to learn how to activate our indigo race energy center. So the best way to cause this blockage is a feeling of inadequacy, of unworthiness. If you have the law, which 
they understand that we aren't perfect. And the funny thing is, no one's perfect. The creator's not even perfect because it's more of a concept. He's always learning. He's always wanting to learn more about himself. So he is the highest authority as far as the one true collective knowledge. He is the sum total of everything every single creature in his creation has ever learned. He is that sum total. And he is constantly creating as we speak. Every moment, he is learning more and more in every different way, any um, infinite way that's possible. And that's why we're all different. So we can learn from a different perspective. And so we learn from a different perspective. He learns from that perspective. Well, the Orion group doesn't want us to evolve that way. They want to keep us down in the red, orange, and yellow energy centers. And they do this by control. And they know that no one's perfect, so they create the law knowing full well no one's perfect and can adhere to the law and be perfect by the law. First of all, because it's fake, free will is the first thing that the creation gives to every single one of its creations. So free will, the fact that it is given to us as a birthright, every single creature in creation, means that rules will always violate free will. And, it's, and if you can implement laws and rules, then you can implement condemnation and showing them that they will always fall short. But no one has ever been expected to meet that expectation. Is Law is only a creation of rules or only a creation of negative beings. And that's how they control us. And that's how they've controlled us for so long. And that is how they have blocked our indigo race center where the spirit or the intelligent energy flows and enters into our bodies i mean it really is genius now there's also the other side too where confederation groups have learned their lesson by previous beings before our race so one example is the atlanteans they're not perfect either so they're they're trying as well trying to get us to seek and to teach us and they answer the callings in the past, they've also given humans like the Atlanteans information about their bodies, their, pine their energy centers all the way through the pineal gland, and how to be more powerful with this knowledge and be better servants of the creator, and then crystals as well. So they were able to teach the Atlanteans how to use crystal technology, which means energizing crystal, because crystals are just frozen light. That's like a pure source of the first Thing in creation. <laughs> I mean, it is pure that the crystalline structure is solid and it's amazing, especially the ruby, ruby and the diamond are the most, I think, pure crystalline structures and can be used for any type of use that, um, that you can use crystals for. And I guess from my understanding, different crystals can do different things. Some are better for other things than others, but uh, from what the raw material tells us that diamonds and rubies are the most adequate for and versatile for across the spectrum for crystal technology. So what they, they learned is they can charge crystals with energy. First of all, they need to crystallize their own energy centers and open up their pineal gland, and that's what allows this intelligent energy to come through them. And once they do that, then they can charge these crystals. And not just one person, you get multiple people, you know, People in numbers have greater strength. It's always the case. So then groups of Atlanteans were charging crystals and charging them with the energy of the, the one infinite creator, which is intelligent energy. Once the crystal is charged, it can be used as a power source. And then eventually they started falling towards the negative side and, and became 
in their words, I like the word bellicose. They use bellicose. Well, it just became war, and groups were began to go to war with each other. And just like we know about the atomic bomb and splitting of the atom, which is another way to use intelligent energy, is splitting the atom. But they were using it with the crystals. And that's why there's all this frozen glass in the deserts in northern Africa because of these were these crystals, what we'd call an atomic bomb was going off, but that was from their crystal technology. And then that's why Atlantis sunk, Atlantis disappeared, which today is pretty much, if you don't know, Antarctica is the Atlantis that Plato describes in his writings. There are all kinds of things they're discovering underneath the ice, and it's not public yet. But if you look for it, the information is there. Uh, they found pretty much what the Bible described before, in the days of Noah, before the flood. And, and so... These people, these beings, and their whole culture and society was flash frozen in water. And that's why you got the ice pack that's so intense uh, and deep and thick in Antarctica. At the very bottom of that is the Atlantean civilization. And they've actually uncovered some very large ships as well. And it's crazy. That is where a lot of the Orion groups have been operating out of, is underneath the ice in Antarctica, also underneath the oceans. And there's been a lot of eyewitnesses, you know, flying craft disappearing into the waters, and they never come back up. And, you know, there's this whole planet is more like a honeycomb. There's cave systems all throughout the planet, and and they utilize them all the time. And we just don't, we don't know about them because we don't have the technology really to discover them. Well, all of them anyways, or they have better technology than we do, or did, I guess. So there's been mistakes done in the past by these confederate groups. They're positive beings. They're, they have the best intentions at heart, but they can't always predict how the human races are going to use this information. The other thing, too, is they had to, just like the Tower of Babel, they were getting too advanced too soon, so they had to dumb them down a little bit. So they messed up their language, and that's where we get all our different languages from. That was to prevent them, to kind of put them back a little bit. For whatever reason, they saw that they were that the human race was developing too quickly, so they had to put it back and slow it down, slow the development down. And I'm guessing it's because of what they've learned up to that point of the mistakes made in the past with other human races. And this also has to do with the understanding, the knowledge, and the understanding of what I've talked about before and other recordings is our body and the energy centers. And once we know how intelligent energy flows into our body and energizes us and crystallizes these energy centers and the power that comes behind that. And Jesus is, was the perfect example of the potential power of everybody. Now, Jesus was a positive being. And in third density, you can still, you can still, believing you're doing it for good, being misguided with not enough wisdom guiding your love which I believe what led the Atlanteans to their destruction, which also led the people of Mars to their destruction, and the asteroid belts, which uh, the planet name was Maldek, I think. Maldek was destroyed a long time ago. The exact same thing happened to them, too. They destroyed their planet uh, because of wars and the misuse of this crystals and, and crystal technology and intelligent energy. So they're trying not to repeat these mistakes, so why, so like the next question I had, and you might think the same thing, well, why did God allow the Orion group to let this condemnation continue? Well, I think it had to do with how dark the human race was at the time, and just how negative everything was at the time. And what we call evil or wickedness was ruling 
is there was a lot of sin going on that <laughs> that uh, it was kind of dangerous to be giving humans at that time this knowledge about themselves because then you you're kind of giving them a lot of power and they might misuse that power. So I think sin and the law was allowed to progress, but hands down what Ra talks about how the Yahweh group combated this advancement by the Orion group was through the prophets. And that's why the prophets were so important. So anything that had to do with the prophets, and the prophets, prophets had their biases as well. They, it was, they were a lot less distorted, and they were, they were given this information. But I'm guessing that they could be trusted. The, the, the confederation allowed it with these individuals, like small doses, starting the people off with small doses and giving them this information slowly. But trying to lead them away from sin they kind of let it stay in play but they their intention was always wanting us to be drawn and seek the creator and if you're once you get on that path you start to understand that there is no sin with the creator there's no right and wrong there's only choice positive or negative polarity there's only polarity and so i could totally understand why they let it continue that way but i mean there's still a lot of heartache that was happening a lot of killing going on and pain in the world so it's it's car it's kind of think part of hard for us to understand that positive beings would allow this to continue but they also have to adhere to the law of free will as well and that means allowing the negative groups of the orion group to work in the same area of operation i guess you might say <laughs> but that's the, that was the great news about emmanuel especially according to the talmud of emmanuel or judas's gospel it, he really did give the pure message of the law of one or the law of creation and that creation or the one infinite creator stands alone. And that God is a creation of the one infinite creator and he has come down to tell people about our spirits and what we need to do to grow our spirits and that's knowledge. And he was guiding them towards love, becoming the perfect example of love that if people choose him, they would make that cornerstone decision to choose love. And that is the cornerstone decision that leads you to the creator on the positive route. And when you get going on that route, you understand that you are worthy and that everyone is worthy of the creator. They have always been worthy since birth. And it's, it's so amazing. It's so beautiful that we've never been separated from the one infinite creator. It is only this self-induced or society-induced condemnation on ourselves. So now we know sin isn't real, or rather condemnation isn't real. It was a creation implemented as a form of control. So Emmanuel showed us that love washes all that away. And everything about Christianity got perverted so fast, so quickly, so early. The Reformation tried to correct it, but it was a tainted source to begin with. So even the Reformation could only correct it so much. Like you have the split between the Protestants and the Catholics, and then within the Protestants, you have the separation between the Arminianists and the Calvinists, or the Arminianists and the Reformers, Reformed theology. And that's all based off of lack of information as well, and an initial source of corrupted information. And that is what is so amazing about the Talmud of Emmanuel, and what's so amazing about the Gospel of Judas. And everything he, rec he recorded is way more accurate than anything in any of the other Gospels. And like I started to talk about in the beginning with this professor in Oregon that has been studying the Talmud for the last 20 years, he said that the chances of 
the writer of the book of Matthew, having access to the gospel of Judas, copied and created the book of Matthew from the gospel of Judas, the chances of that being true is like 100 to the 100th power. Something like that. It's insane. In in other words, it is astronomical to say that Matthew, the book of Matthew was not written from the Talmud of Emmanuel. Hands down, had to be written by somebody that had access to the Gospel of Judas. And it is amazing. Once you start reading through the Gospel of Judas, and especially comparing it to the raw material, and everything that the raw group is teaching us, it's amazing. And the, the conclusion is, free will is the first thing that allowed creation to create. That is the first law of distortion. And that is the first thing given to every other bit of creation by the one infant creator is free will. And if there's free will, if it's preserved up to its utmost, the highest level, then sin cannot exist because there's, well, excuse me, condemnation with sin, which is our perspective of sin, cannot exist. Now, I have a few examples of sin, which is kind of, I was trying to find a way to describe it, and the kind of the first thing came to my mind was just acronyms. And I know I've discussed it a couple times and shown it in a couple of my other recordings. But here's just a couple acronyms using S-I-N, so SIN. And we know it's, an, it's a negative thing, so it's always going to be of the negative path, which is the self-service path, the love of self. So the first one I have is SIN, S-I-N. Now this is for people of the uh, positive polarity. So SIN is the selfishness increasing neutrality. So if you're on the positive path and you're starting to build up positive polarity, positive polarized energy, when you do, when you make a choice, a selfish choice, that is a negative choice. In other words, that negative polarity from that choice reduces your positive polarity, which brings you back down to neutral. Everybody starts at neutral. So it's like a clean slate. And that's, that's the danger of not polarizing is you don't build up any strength and polarity. So people will just sit down there in the neutral position because they do a positive thing, they do a negative thing. Positive thing, negative thing. So sin for a positive person is selfishness or a selfish choice, selfishness that increases neutrality. So it's removing you of the positive polarity that you've built up and it's bringing you down, back down to the neutral position, which you don't want to be in. That's like be either hot or cold. If you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out. Just like... Um, in one of the letters written to one of the churches in the book of Revelation. So the next couple I have, they all have to do with uh, negative beings, but another one acronym of SIN is selfishness increasing negativity. So that's selfish decisions, selfish choices. The next one is self-induced negativity. <laughs> We're responsible for our own actions, right? Your choices, your consequences. Well, that could be good consequences or it could be bad consequences. So SIN is self-induced negativity. So your choices are negative, selfish choices, and you're increasing your negative polarity. The next one is sin, society-induced negativity. So this is what society tells you and is committing as well as a society, as a group. And these are the things that you've been told sin and condemnation is real. That's not real. There is, within the one infinite creator, there is no right and wrong. Within the law of one, there is no right and wrong. There is only choice, and within choice, there's polarity. And the next one is sin sliding into negativity. <laughs> that one just kind of came back, came to me as far as uh, I was thinking of backsliding. You know, you're sliding into negativity with every negative choice you make. So another acronym of sin. 
So, yes, in a way, sin is real, and possibly by these acronyms, we might be able to understand the reality of what sin actually is, and it has to do with a negative polarizing side or negative polarity, but it's a creation of a form of control. So the negative beings want to control us. They want to keep you enslaved. They want to keep you in control. And especially if you're condemning yourself. If it's not enough, the society will condemn you. If you can get the people to condemn themselves, man, that's even easier. Yeah, sin is the creation of the Orion group. And it was brought about by the Ten Commandments. Up until then, how how many years had gone by between Adam and Eve and Moses, the Ten Commandments? That was a long time to not have any really, have any type of law. Now, when you start looking into the laws and rules of creation and the laws and rules that God and his celestial sons or the guardian angels follow, now there are some laws that they defend, and these are the laws of creation, and they are the defenders of light, the laws of love and light. So, I mean, sin is such a crazy topic that it actually hasn't been challenged earlier. (laughs) It's crazy. There is no right and wrong within the one infant creator, and if there is no right and wrong, there's only choice, there's only polarity choice, polarity in the choice, which means there's no condemnation, and there's no need for condemnation. The only place condemnation can survive is in your own mind and self-induced. Yes, every choice you make has to be synthesized on the benefits of it, positive or negative. And if you see negative results from your choices and you don't want to repeat those, choices, those mistakes, what you might call mistakes. I mean, there's mistakes isn't even really a word as well. There are no mistakes. There are only choices. And that's the thing. Well, it was, was a mistake. No, there are no mistakes. It happened. Could you take it back? Ooh, yeah, I feel like I want to take that back. I feel like that was a mistake. Well, there are no mistakes, but yes, I do want to take it back. So I can't take it back because in this third uh, density life, there is time. There is past, present, and future. So what can I do to change that? I can't go back and change it. So I will change it in the future. So from here on out, I will not make that same choice. I want to make a different choice. And I want to make a more positive choice. Because I didn't like the results of that. And it, But it all has to start with understanding your own polarity. And that's what I talked about in the previous talks. About knowing your mind. Knowing yourself. You have to know, are you a positive being? Are you wanting to be a positive being or are you wanting to be a negative being? But if you're choosing the positive route, there is no condemnation. There is no mistake. There is no right and wrong. There is no sin. Sin is just a description of negative polarity of the choice. And that's it. The rest is up to you to decide what is beneficial. But you have to understand everybody serves the creator. So how do you want to serve creator more efficiently and effectively? And by serving how you serve the creator is you interact with every bit of creation around you. Everything else around you is the creator. And the best form of that is how you treat all the other people, the animals, the trees, the planets, you name it. Everything around you, how you treat them. You treat them positively. If you look for love in every single moment, then yes, you're going to polarize towards the direction of love, which is a positive direction, selfless love, and vice versa for you know negative, for negative beings. Um, another great example of sin was from Daniel. Daniel 4.27 is a great verse. And pretty much all it says, and I don't have it in front of me, just, um, but how to renounce sin is just stop doing it. <laughs> how, do you, how do you renounce sin? Well, you just start doing good. 
You stop doing the bad things that cause all the bad things to happen. You start doing the good things. And, you know, you know I forgot to mention it with all within all this and the actual rules of and laws of creation. That's in we've talked about this before is karma. That is the whole purpose of karma, because the creator is balanced and he's put parameters within his creation for the positive and negative and everything is balanced. So karma is real, but it's more like a, a it's more like inertia. And that's this charge that happens when you wrong somebody negatively. If you hurt the creator, there is a negative charge and karma will build up and it'll build up so strong that eventually things will work out to where it'll come back to haunt you pretty much. And that's what forgiveness is so important for is that relieves that karma. If you're wronging somebody, if you're not showing kindness to somebody, if you steal from them, if you hurt them physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever, then you're hurting the creator because they are part of the creator. If you're hurting part of the creator, there's negative energy that builds up. And forgiveness is huge because that's what stops that buildup of inertia of this energy. But there's positive karma as well, and that's the positive inertia that's built up by showing kindness to every bit of creation around you different people animals planet etc so it's crazy and and it's as simple as just stop doing the negative choices and look for love in every single situation and pick the loving choice and not saying it's easy that's why (laughs) this this life is a hard life because it's not easy but once you know more about the world you live in and everything is taking place you know more about the creator and you know more about God, and the battle between positive and negative, the dark and the light, it helps you make these choices, and you understand that every single situation you are in in life, that you have to make a choice, this is intentional, because this is how we grow, and this is how we learn, and when we learn, the Creator learns. It, it's awesome. It's it's an amazing cycle. Yeah, and there's some other verses. I might uh, do another talk to finish up. I'm getting kind of late. Going kind of long here, but you know, First John one ten, claiming you have not sinned. Um, he has some issues with people claiming they have not sinned, and so people listening to me talk right now would probably, you know, saying you're being blasphemous. You know, you're saying nobody is capable of sin. I'm saying people are capable of negative decisions, negative polarizing decisions. Absolutely. But is there sin? Is there condemnation? Absolutely not. Not from the one infant Creator, and He is the only thing that matters. God even serves the one infinite creator, and their whole purpose is helping us grow to seek the creator and know everything about the creator, and within the creator, there's only choice because there's free will. Yeah, I'll touch on that a little bit next time, and I didn't get to salvation, I didn't get to hell, I got some pretty interesting views about that and where it comes from, because the more we know about the one infinite creator, there really is no place called hell. There is only a positive path and a negative path, but to a positive person... Their perspective, if you go on the negative route and you get stuck through fourth, fifth, and sixth density on the negative route, the only way to evolve on that negative route is to be a negative person, a negative being, and to constantly be self-serving. That's the only way you get through. And the only way to get off of that side of polarity is to graduate and evolve all the way through sixth density. And then you can make the choice to switch over. And so... Through from a perspective of a positive being, that's hell. And uh, I'll go into a little more about that also. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot I didn't get to, so next time over over the stuff that I wasn't able to get to, but 
didn't think it would go so long, but like I said, sin is a huge topic. It's it's very big. So I don't know if the next one will be as long as this one, but I guess we'll find out. Hope everyone's doing well. And if you have any questions, I'm working on getting an email, a personal email. I know some people, if you do have questions, you might not feel comfortable asking them on the YouTube channel in the comments. So I was going to possibly uh, get an email account opened just solely and specifically for questions uh, people could ask privately and they can ask me directly. So it'll go directly to me and I will respond back uh, the best uh, the best way I can. Hopefully I have an answer for you. And if uh, you just want to you know, be angry with me, like uh, I run into a few people on Twitter, they're very angry people, but they have the right to think the way they think. That is no problem. There's some people live with more distortions than others, and everybody's different. Everybody has different perspectives and different opinions. That's not a problem. And that's great. That's That creates a better environment, more catalyst, more learning. And it teaches us a lot of things, like patience <laughs> and understanding. Hope everyone's doing well, and uh, I guess I'll talk to you next time. All right, take care, everybody. Bye.